Yeah, he's still injured. Like we um, we were away camping in the weekend, and um, turned out we ended up camping at Adam Kane's. Um, right. That's another story. Right. <laughs> we'll save that story. Probably yeah, not. Yeah. Uh, uh, no, no, it's all it's all right. Um, no, we'd spent the day at um, twelve mile Delta. Um, yeah, just um, hanging out beside side the lake there. There's a dock camping ground. Cool. And um, yeah, actually, was like doing a lot of swimming. Um, so he probably did a bit too much swimming. Uh, but it was such a hot day. You just wanted to be in the water, and um, he's having such a good time. But um, yeah, he probably just overdid it. Yeah, he definitely overdid it. Yeah. So back back to taking it. Yeah, just got to be a bit, um, bit more strict with the old boy. Well, not that he's old. He's middle age, isn't he? Well, is it? Um, I know with cat years, it's seven, seven, seven cat years for a human year, right? Same oh, with dogs. I think that's the same with dogs. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh no, he's twenty-eight, isn't it? He's in his prime. Is he only four? I thought. Yeah. No, he's uh. Yeah, four and a half. Oh, okay. So that's that's getting on to thirty-two. Yeah, no, he's in his prime. No, that's true. But if 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 he lived in the Middle Ages, that's actually old. Yeah, well, it's not the Middle Ages. <laughs> Good point. Hey, um, what have yeah. you done to qualify for Crush Chicago recently? What have I done? Well, I, I went to Chicago. Does that count? I think it probably does. Well, the yeah. guy, the guy that I've talked to for today's episode, I've already done it, so we can't say we're going to do it. But yeah, the guy, yeah, yeah. he enough, went, yeah. he went to Invercargill. Oh, fair enough. Or what was he doing down there? It was on on the way between. He he did ten great walks in ten days, and it was in between nine and ten. Right, right, okay. Well, um, I'm oh, well. I guess that we'll find out with the. Um, I wouldn't be able to recite what the nine or ten great walks are. I, I had trouble counting to ten, let alone walking ten. Yeah, yeah. But uh -huh. this is the thing: if you if you only walk nine of the great walks, and there's ten great walks, yeah, does it does that count? No, um, no. Who who likes who likes like not finishing stuff like that? No, that's not that's not doing a you know a job worth doing. It's a job worth doing well. So if you're going to go, if you're going to run, you know, like nine of the great walks, you better you might as well do all of them. Then well, he pedaled one. How can you? Was it flooded? Was it kept the last year? No, it's the Whanganui River. 
It's called a great walk. Oh, okay. Well, that's, um, you can't state. walk it. Why, why would it be called a great walk when you can't walk it? Well, you could ankle jog it. Well, that's true. That's a really good point. <laughs> I should have suggested that. <laughs> uh, all the things. You're going to have to listen to the next hour of an interview with Andrew Robinson to think of all the things that I should have asked him. <laughs> so, so is that what he did to the ankle jog, did he? No, he paddled. Oh, okay. Yeah. Hmm. Well, fair enough. There was a guy, um, I think he did a documentary. Um, he, he did the Waikato River on a, on a Lilo. Oh. From a few years back. Can't remember the guy's name. Mm -hmm. oh, I think he, 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 I think he had, uh, he might have had a mate that died that, um, that had committed suicide or something like that, or he had his own battles with depression or something. And then he just thought, like, oh, you know, just, yeah, paddling down the Waikato on a lilo and having yarns to people about mental health and stuff would be a good idea. And he did it. But I think he actually, he didn't go over the Hooker Falls. He uh -huh. he was about to, and he thought, oh, no, probably not a great idea. So he got off to the side or whatever. But, um, and he might have gone through a few different lilos because it's probably not the most durable um thing for floating down a yeah i was i was going to actually ask about the hooker falls because i thought that's probably not the best to do on a lilo um yeah the best best not yeah that would be um, up, that would be up where we're doing baldwin street on your skateboard or something wouldn't it mm, yeah mm. yeah there is a guy um yeah, have you seen the plaque at the top of baldwin street there's a guy that um set a record for rollerblading up um up baldwin street he just rollerbladed up. Did he rollerbladed down? Oh, no, roller, I can't remember. Roller skating. He must have roller skated. Because I think he did it back in the 70s or something. Then he did it again, maybe. Wow. Yeah. People are always doing strange records on um, Baldwin Street. Yeah, there's a there's a wheelie bin record. I don't think that's oh. official. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, yeah. Anyway. Yeah, cool. What's that map beside you there? Oh, this is a map of um, Tennessee. It's, um, you know, uh, Laz did this thing last year, which was uh, um, uh, uh, a run across Tennessee. Right. A virtual run across Tennessee. And did you do the whole thing? I did it there and back. Were you supposed to? Um, yeah, that was an option. Uh, well, well, some people did it about five times, I think. Right, okay. Oh, well, fair enough. Going back and forth, back and forth, virtually across Tennessee. They're doing it again this year. Right, okay, yep. Because they're all still kind of COVID. Yeah, they're all, yeah, they're all, yeah. yeah. Sucks, sucks, doesn't it? It does suck. I was talking to a friend in Wales this morning and he hasn't been able to talk to his mates and or meet up with his mates or anything. He's still living inside, goes out shopping and for short walks and that's all he's allowed to do. Hmm. Oh, well. Yeah, no. Do they get let out for holidays? Like Christmas? Well, no. No, this is since before Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a, it's a tough, tough gig everyone else in the world has. We are very lucky. Right. Have you noticed that? Well, we're picking what? We're very lucky. Oh, yeah. Very lucky. Very fortunate. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was thinking, I was thinking about, you know, the, the you know, 
a lot of the talk about New Zealand's situation was that, you know, we're an island down the bottom of the world or whatever, you know, it's easy to isolate. Well, I yeah. thought, well, well, bloody the UK's an island. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah well, no, um, things could have been done differently there. Absolutely. Yeah. And they all know it. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, oh, well. hey, mate, I'm going to get on with this interview. Um, yeah, good on you. Well, good to you look like you've been to pub runners again. I have. I'm wearing my pub runner shirt. Oh, great, great. And how, and how was it? Uh, it was it was a brilliant run. It was the best run ever. And what was the tip score? Uh, it was only 6.39. Right. I think it deserved more than that, but that was because I bought the chips. Oh, okay. You hosted the run. Yeah. That's and what from was And it was from Tiflis. Brilliant run. Brilliant run. Best run ever. Yeah. Oh, well, excellent. Yep. Anyway, well, you know, I'll let you get on with the interview. Good, good to good catch up. And yep. uh, yeah, can't can't wait to hear this interview. Oh, you got the jingle there somewhere. You got a jingle? Oh, shit. Hold on a second. Yep. Uh, do you know any Pearl Jam? Uh, I think I do. Yep. Um. Is that Pearl Jam? Yeah, Jeremy, but I'm playing it wrong, I think. Right. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> hey, Andrew Robinson, welcome to the Crush the Cargo podcast. Cheers, mate. Thanks for having me. You've done your hair specially for the occasion. Just for the occasion. Yeah, that's why I was asking if we're, uh, if we're, if we're filming as well. Hey, me too. <laughs> that's crust of the clown you got going on there. Yeah, it's pretty good in the mornings. Yeah. So, Andrew, 10 uh, great walks in 10 days. Yeah. How was that? Amazing. It was an experience. It was an adventure. I think that's the that's the one word that I've used to sum it up uh, the most, and I'll keep using that word to sum it up. Yeah. So um, before we get on to that, tell me a bit about yourself. Um, so I have been, I got into obstacle course racing, Tough Mudder, in 2000 and, well, I, I did one in 2014. I did one in 2013, didn't think anything of it. Did one in 2014, thought I'd push my limits a little bit and do two laps back to back. So each lap was about 16 kilometers. Yeah. Uh, I'd done very little, if any, running, really. I, I was dabbling in CrossFit and a little bit of boxing and general physical preparedness kind of stuff. Yep. Um, just to look good, really. <laughs> yep. And that you kind look of great, by the way. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, that was that was kind of the initial goal and did this tough mudder back to back. And I ended up running the first lap with a guy, Matt Ainsley, who went on to run world's toughest mudder in 2014, mm -hmm. which is a 24 hour version of tough mudder. Yep. So it's a eight kilometer loop or a five mile loop. It's got about 20 to 25 military style obstacles from sandbag carries to monkey bars to electroshock therapy you remember the the uh game you used to play as a kid operation no oh with the with the um little um abdomen and yeah you, with the tweezers and, you had to, and it had the little electroshock thing and you if you touch the side you got a little yep. you got a little buzz yep 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 so they sized that up and um had, had a ring I don't know the size of the ring, probably 10 centimeters in diameter. And 
uh, hook that up to 10,000 volts and you had to thread a metal pole through that, hook off a little rubber bracelet, pull that back through. And if you touch the side, you got whacked. And, you know, it set some people down if you touched the side. So it was enough to wake you up. No, no wattage. So not enough to kind of do any serious damage, but kept you conscious if you touched it. <laughs> right. Yeah. I suppose you wouldn't really be entering something like that if you had a, you know, a bad heart condition or something. No, well, there, there were, if you had a heart condition, you were allowed to kind of get around those obstacles and they would give you certain other things to do. And so, for example, with the obstacles with the monkey bars, if you failed the obstacle, you would have to do an extra, an extra loop, half a mile or a, a kilometre or something of the sort. Um, and that was why I was able to do quite well at that. So what happened is I did the, the two Tough Mudders. I followed Matt Ainsley on his journey to World's Toughest Mudder 2014 and said one day I'll do that but it was always one day in the distant future yeah and so I um ended up booking that for 2016 after traveling we hitchhiked Europe I hitchhiked Europe in 2015 figured that I could do anything I put my mind to to a certain extent bought the tickets to World's Toughest Mudder 2016 went over and did it, fell in love with it, was reasonably good at it, I think, just from A, the fact that I love suffering and B, the fact that I was generally physically prepared. So I was able to complete the obstacles with some sort of proficiency. And although I wasn't very good at running, at least fast, I was pretty good at putting one foot in front of the other. Yeah. And so that just kind of, one thing led to another and I found that I was pretty good. And, you know, with six months of running experience, so I put my foot down and, ran a bit harder in 2017, went back end of 2017, competed again uh, and placed sixth in the world effectively. It was about a thousand people line up at the start line. So to, to come in sixth, I was pretty happy with. Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, so that, that was kind of the start of it. And uh, ever since then, I've kind of classed myself as an obstacle racer. And more recently, I've classed myself as a bit of a, an adventurer yeah. as well. Yeah. Yep. So um, you had big plans before everyone's plans went um, upside down last year, didn't you? Yeah, I, I was. So I'd never done an. I'd never actually done an official ultra marathon. Yeah. So I was eyeing up Northburn. That's right. Um, yep. And I, 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 I mean, from never having done an official marathon, ultra marathon, to eye up the Northburn hundred miler. I guess it kind of speaks to my my. Yeah. willingness and, and want to suffer yeah uh so I, i'd signed up for that uh and then i ended up pay, uh tail ending ultra easy mm-hmm. and became good friends with uh terry davis through kind of that escapade and then uh yeah started working towards northburn and i think northburn was meant to start 6 a.m saturday and i think thursday afternoon before northburn uh Terry finally pulled the pin and said, we can't do it because there's this little thing going around called COVID-19 and apparently nobody's allowed to do anything for the next six weeks. So everybody go home. Yep. Yep. I uh, was up Northburn, I think, helping pull out poles. Yep. We heard about the um, the um, alert level plan and how we're all of a sudden an alert level, I don't know, two or three and yep. everyone can't do more than regional travel and I thought oh just as well I'm only in central Otago and I've only got to drive back to Dunedin yeah which which lap did you did you pull the poles out on I'm trying to yeah first lap yeah because I, I, I remember seeing you there I did I pulled the poles out on the second lap yeah 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 
That was a nice day. It was um, it was nice finishing off the Corona Empires at the end as well. Yeah, yeah, it was good to kind of meet the crew. Um, yeah. I've I've signed up this year to go back and tail in the first fifty k and then camp mum. So you're, not, you're not going to do the the ultra. No, no, I've um, I think I'm I think I'm done with with running for a while. I'll I'll still I'll I'll tail end because that's just one foot in front of the other. But there's I, no. I, I seem to remember. I, I, it must have been you talking with Terry and you must have said that the North Bend was too easy or something and you were going to do it in your five fingers. Yeah. Oh, I, I was going to do it in barefoot shoes. I, I messaged him and said, um, what do you reckon the chances of someone doing North Bend in under 30 hours in barefoot shoes? Uh, and he just messaged back and said, zero, zero chance. So I, I literally said challenge accepted and started training towards it. <laughs> so um is that still something in the cards in the future yeah so i think so zero chance so it still has to be proven <laughs> yeah still needs to be proven so i i ended up uh because of that i kind of you know i'd committed to this and i trained for this event and yeah, yeah. so i said right i will do the distance and i will do the elevation game but i'll do it over a period of days and i'll still do it in the barefoot shoes so i did the 100 miles with 10,000 meters of climbing over five days and uh, I, I couldn't, I couldn't have done it. I couldn't have planned it, but yeah. I tallied up the total time, and I thought it was going to be about thirty-five hours. I did it in twenty-nine hours and fifty-six minutes. So when was this? So this was on the weekend of the Northburn. So the first right. day that I actually went to do this yep. event, or this, you know, my personal challenge because I trained for Northburn. Yep. We, we started uh, with the pulling down of the the loops. Yep. And just kind of continued from there. And from there, I started a little hashtag can't cancel running. Yeah. And the idea was, you know, a lot of people were nervous because they'd been training for these races and they had, they had all these goals and COVID hit and you can cancel races, but you can't cancel running. So I kind of uh, ran with that pun intended. <laughs> Good. And you managed your, your hundred miles and with 10,000 meters vert in 29 hours. And 56 minutes, four minutes, four minutes under the cutoff time, which I'd said, given it was over five days, so it wasn't the challenge, but also I just went out for fun. There was no time goal. It was just to go out and just do what I'd trained to do. Yeah, yeah. Oh, nice. Oh, that's that's pretty good. I, that's almost as good as proving it. I think you still got to go back and there's, there's, there's unfinished business there, isn't there? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. no, I'll, I'll be back. Yeah. Um, yeah, just given this little event that I've just done, I, I didn't think I'd be into running 100 miles in six weeks' time. Nah, fair enough, I suppose. Yeah. So, so um, how long had you been planning this, um, this, this mission, 10 walks in 10 days? So apparently I floated the idea to some friends a few years ago. I'm not sure if the paparol was even thought of as a great walk at that point. Yeah. Uh, so it must have been nine and nine, or I just wanted to do the nine great walks or, or something. And like I said, it's never an ultra runner. So I'm not sure where the idea actually came from. Yeah. But the, the planning I put into, I started to try to put into place, must have been November last year, yeah. November 2020, and nothing would stick. There's just no, I couldn't get anybody to drive me a few... A few people put their hands up. One person said they'd drive me for a couple of days in the North Island and hand me on to the second person and so on and so forth. And I just couldn't get anything to kind of stick. So eventually I just said, right, I'm starting on the 20th of January. Whoever wants to help is welcome to. Yeah. And that was uh, that was pretty much where it all actually 
started to stick and since then I've learned I think just you know committing to it and, and whether or not you announce it publicly or you just invest in it financially or whatever you need to do to to get it started yeah do that yep yep and so you didn't specifically look for you know a particular weather window except thinking January it's probably going to be better than say August or something like that you'd, you'd have hoped so <laughs> <laughs> So, so, so you, you, when you'd set the date, how did, did you end up with a, you know, working out some drivers and you must've had a plan for getting from, you know, point A to B considering point A to B was quite long distances. Yeah. So, so they got, as I say, the initial goal was to have a few people drive me, one person drive in the North Island, one person drive kind of uh, able Tasman, Heathy and Papara, and then one person drive the bottom of the South Island. Yeah. And as soon as I announced it, a guy, um, Eddie Vedder, not the Pearl Jam singer, he's quite enjoying that actually. <laughs> uh, spelt differently, Eddie V E T T E R. Uh, but so he put, he's a Swiss guy, he's a, done a bit of um, through hiking and uh, does a bit of climbing. And I met him at the climbing gym in Queenstown. Yep. He put his hand up and said he'd drive the whole thing, which yep, yep. I mean, he was just in it for the adventure. So that was fantastic. And, yep. and it kind of grew from there. My partner's work colleague, her partner is a was a kayak guide in Milford. So I got in touch with him and said, look, can you teach me how to do a bit of kayaking, basically? Bill Godsall taught me how, taught me how to do a wet exit so I didn't drown. Yeah, good. And then, uh, and then Josh taught me kind of the edges and the rails of a kayak, which I, so I knew nothing about kayaking before this. Yep. You know, I'd done, yep. including that training with Josh, I'd done about two hours of kayaking. Wow. And I managed to convince him over a period of a week to come and do the Whanganui River with me. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to change my plans and I had to promise him that we'd do it over two days, not try and do it in one. And yeah. for him to finally go, all right, I'll do it. And it kind of it grew from there as well. I think he started to see the opportunity in an adventure as well and said, yeah, well, I won't just do the river. I'll do the whole thing with you. Wow. So, so him and Eddie both put their hands up to drive and to to navigate their way from Waikata Moana through the North Island all the way down to Invercargill to fly to Stewart Island. So yeah, um, they were really the glue that held it together. And there's, you know, at, at one point through the adventure, I just said, I don't know how I can repay you. And they both just said, finish it. They were just there for the adventure. They didn't want anything more than that. Oh, that's so cool. That's so yeah. cool. So they must have driven a hell of a long way. Yeah, they, they tallied about 6,000 Ks in the van. Wow. I, th- I think I had the easy job. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so, so there's 10 great walks as of last year when the paparoa got added, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to try and count to 10 here. There's um, Waikari Moana. Yeah. North Island. There's um, Tongariro. Yeah. Uh, there's um, Wanganui. Yeah. Um, Wanganui River Journey. Yeah. Hey? Yep. And then there's, um, which isn't really a great walk, is it? Only in New Zealand, you'd call a 150 kilometre paddle a walk, but that's what Kiwis I, do. I was thinking of saying to you that you haven't actually done 10 great walks because one of them was a great paddle, but. 10 great adventures. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so that's in the, there's three in the North Island. That's pretty good for the North Island. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's not much more up there. Yeah. <laughs> and then you've got Abel Tasman. Um, uh, Hefe, um, Paparoa, yep. Rootburn, Milford, Kepler, 
and Rakiura in Stewart Island. That's correct. Yeah. So six of them in the South Island, one in Stewart Island. That's yeah. um, that's so it's, you're, you're traveling the almost you know three quarters of the length of New Zealand um, to do yeah. these things, and yeah. and so how did you manage to work out which parts you were going to do on which days? Did you because you said you had to change your plan for what was the kayak guy guy's name? Uh, Josh. So yeah. so basically the goal was to do Waikato Moana and Tongariro on the first day. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Get, get two out of the way. Yep. Um, start the river the next morning, kind of cruise the river Yep. to a certain extent. Do 100Ks on the first day, which as long as you put in the paddle in the water, you're, you're moving 9 or 10Ks an hour, depending on the, on the tide, on the, on the flow. Yeah. Um, second day, get up. We only had about 50Ks to do on the second day. So we'd be done by, you know, 1 or 2 o'clock in the afternoon. We'd drive to Wellington. We'd fly to, uh, we'd, sorry, we'd catch the ferry to Nelson. Uh, Abel Tasman, Hefe, Papara, and so on and so forth from there. Yeah, yeah. One a day after the, after the river. Yeah. Okay. So that made up for the um, the two a day made up for spending two days on the river. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So how did that go? Interestingly, uh, so <laughs> we knew the weather window was was we knew the weather was pretty average. So we got up at three a.m. on the morning of the twentieth and. We were there. We were ready to do it. We were just going to kind of cross fingers and hope that it all fell into place. So got ready, coffee, uh, you know, check everything. It was pretty consistent. PLB, watch, phone, GoPro. Good. And then obviously the safety gear was always in the bag. So rain, raincoat, top and bottom, you know, rain gear, top and bottom, thermal, top and bottom, huff, uh, sorry, buff, fur band, hat, gloves, uh, and the rest of it. So Started Waikato Moana just before 4 a.m. Turns out the elevation gain on that was was about 700 meters more than I was expecting. I was expecting about 1,300, and it was closer to 2,000. Really? Yeah, it was just shy of 2,000. So, and I figured that out about three quarters of the way through the track when I'd already done 1,500. So, I kind of backed off the pace a little bit just yep. to save the legs because I knew I had Tongariro to attempt that afternoon. I would say do, but. Um, looking back at it, it was definitely just an attempt. So got back to the van, jumped in, drove straight to, well, started heading towards Tongariro. And we knew the weather was average. So I called Toma to Nui Kanuhaya, who, who were helping us out with the boats, with the kayaks, and said, look, is there any chance of us getting on the river that afternoon? And they just, they couldn't do it. With safety briefings, um, being in kayaks, if they gave us a sit on top, they'd be able to do it, apparently. But uh, yeah, otherwise they couldn't get us in boats. So we just said, well, we'll go to Tongariro and we'll um, give it a shot. So we headed towards Tongariro, parked up at Whakapapa Village. Eddie was going to do that with me. Um, the goal for Tongariro was just to get it done. There was no goal, you know, there was no time frame that we had to do it in. We had head torches. Eddie's a bit of a through hiker, so he's been in some pretty rough conditions living in Queenstown, I've been in some pretty rough conditions as well. So we just knew we had to get through. So we started heading up. We did about 10 Ks to Mangatapopo hut. And then uh, about halfway between Mangatapopo and the first steep climb, there's a sign and on the, there's two photos on the sign, one on the left, it's got a bluebird day. And it says, if the sky looks like this, have fun, go for it. Yep. And on the right-hand side of the sign, there's a photo of a pretty overcast day 
and it says, if the sky looks like this, turn back. Yep. And the sky behind that sign was a lot worse than it looked on the right-hand side. So okay. yeah. I, I, we kind of carried on past there. We'd come that far. And I said to Eddie, I was like, look, if we need to turn back, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to be so stubborn that we're going to try and push through stupidity. Yeah. Um, we'll just make that call when we need to. So we climbed up and about a kilometer past that sign, there was a dock ranger coming down the hill as well. And he started having a conversation. We'd looked at him. We thought we were going to get turned back. Like we just yeah. didn't think he was going to even let us pass. Yeah. And he, he, he kind of looked us up and down, saw that we had all the gear, yeah. had a bit of a chat with us, asked us what we were doing. I explained the 10 and 10 and, he saw that we were smart enough to make the call if we need to yeah. and said, cool, well, you know, carry on up. If you get a window, go for it. Be my guest. Uh, if you don't get a window, turn back. Don't be stupid. Whatever you do, if you, if you make the pass, let the dock ranger in the next hut know. If you don't make the pass, make sure you come back through Mangatipopo hut and let me know so that we know that you're not on the mountain, which was really nice of him. Um, Yeah. Andy, that's, he, that's pretty um, understanding. I mean, he, he didn't think you were stupid and yet here you were doing 10 great walks in 10 days. Yeah. Yeah. I, think <laughs> it's, I guess it's a different type of stupidity, isn't it? It's, it's it obviously, is. it's taken a bit of planning to do that. Yeah. Um, so it's more of a craziness yeah. than, a, than an idiocracy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So he was able to make that distinction by the sounds of it. I like that. I think that's, that's pretty open of him. Um, yeah. I guess, I mean, he's, he, he was seen all sorts. And, yeah. You know, I just spend my days going up and down Mount Cargill, of course, but you see yeah. all sorts there. Yeah. Some people really shouldn't be up this, this um, mountain. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we, I mean, I'd done Tongariro. Sorry, not Tongariro. I had done uh, Trotunga in Norway, which is the big pride rock look looking thing in Norway. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I didn't know anything about hiking or trail running at that point. And I did that. It's, it's 11 kilometers with 1100 meters of climbing in Norway. And I did it in jeans and gym shoes. Mm-hmm. And uh, about nine Ks in, we got sleeted. Like we just got covered in sleet and we ended up, it was, it was a very rough thing. And I think I've probably learned a little bit from that. And I, you know, I'm a little bit more respectful yeah. and Tongariro's, I think if there's one mountain in all of New Zealand that you really don't want to play with, it's Tongariro. I think the, the weather can just change so quickly. I mean, most mountains down here, you can look at and you can look at the weather forecast and you can have a pretty good idea as to what's going to happen. Yeah. But if Tongariro wants to change its mind on what's happening, it can do so in, in minutes. And I've you know heard that from a lot of people. So I was never going to, I was never going to play with this that. This was your first time there, wasn't it? So I'd, I'd been up it before, but I'd never done the whole, the Northern circuit. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, and I'd never actually made the crossing. The, the yeah. first time I went up was in summer as well, and it was we got nearly blown off the mountain, even though it was blue skies. So, oh wow, right. yeah. So you turned back, and how was yeah. that? It was pretty gutting. We got the GoPro out. We made we we said our condolences, and you know explained that we we're having to turn back, and luckily that was you know there was sideways snow or sleet going towards the sky because of the wind so you know it, it wasn't because we didn't try that we turned back so we, we kind of went back let the dock ranger know gave josh a call he was in the van he'd actually just started cooking dinner so he had to turn all the gas and everything off and head to mangatapopo car park where he picked us up from there and we headed towards tomatanui and i was 
pretty gutted. I didn't really know whether or not it was worthwhile continuing. Yeah. You know, like if it wasn't going to be 10 and 10, what's the point? Um, and the boys just both looked at me and, and Eddie said, you know, if you actually, if you truly do want to inspire people to, you know, get out and do something, then they're going to be more inspired by you finishing and doing 9.3 great walks in 10 days than pulling the pin at the end of the first day. So that was, that was what I needed to hear. And we were ready to get on the river the next day. Pretty rough, you know, your first day and, uh, it's a good example of goal setting. You set a goal like this, and if you just get slightly below it, is it a failure? Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, that's it. And and so that's why the boys kind of had that conversation with me, and, and we decided that it wasn't going to be a failure if we did 9.3. It was still going to be a cool adventure. doesn't have um, the same it, ring, though, does it? It doesn't. Not at all. No. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't have the same ring. It's not a first time. It's not a fastest time. It's, you know, what. So that was that was my kind of what's it worth. Um, but and as as Eddie said, it's you know it's still pretty inspirational. So yes. anyway, I was about to go to sleep, and then I just sat up and I was like, "Nah, stuff this. There's no way I'm giving up that easily." So called all, all my family, well, my mum, my sister, and my dad, and said, "Find somebody. If it's a private jet that has to fly me from Taipo to Nelson, like let's <laughs> let's figure out how we can do this." Wow. Yeah. And woke up the next morning to mum's cousin having found a flight from Wellington to Nelson at eight a.m. on Saturday morning. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I did the math, and it was Thursday morning. Um, we were getting on the on the Wanganui River at eight a.m. We'd get to John Cool Hut at about seven p.m. So if we get up the next day and paddle our little hearts out, we could yeah. be off the river by midday. We couldn't change the ferry times, so the boys couldn't. They had to be in Wellington by eight p.m. Mm-hmm. So I thought, well, at least if I get to Tongariro, the boys can drive to Wellington, and I'll find a way to Wellington after Tongariro so I said to my mum's cousin I said look book the flights we'll figure the rest out and uh, so she did and Josh and I got on the river and within the first hour there's still a bit of from time to Nui, there's still a bit of reception mm-hmm. and um, I'd met Jean Beaumont two days earlier on the inter-islander from Nelson to Wellington or from Picton to Wellington yeah and I just overheard a conversation I'd overheard her say uh it's his third year attempting it and he's finally finished it and that's all i heard and i leaned over and i said is you're talking about ian evans the revenant she said yes and she introduced herself and we had some banter and she offered a offered us to stop by on our way through to wellington all going well friday afternoon Mm -hmm. have a shower and a smoothie Mm. so we exchanged numbers and um, when I was on the river, I had this crazy idea to call this lady that I'd met once two days before who really knew nothing about me and I knew nothing about her and invite her to drive from Wellington to, to Tongariro, run the circuit with me and drive me back to Wellington. And she, she didn't bat an eyelid. She just said, yeah, I've never run the circuit. So let's have some fun. So cool. And that yeah. was only, so she went for a little run with me. Um. <laughs> a little run? <laughs> just a few days before that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 100 yeah. days around the Revenant course. With, with what, 8,000 metres of climbing? Uh, well, who knows, but yeah. Give or take? Maybe, yeah. Possibly close enough, yeah. So she was fresh, though. She was ready to go. Yeah, we did it pretty slow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah you, it's not something you want to try fast. So so um, how far from Wellington to the start of the Tongariro? It's about four and a half hours drive. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Nice. 
Yeah, so, so she was the, she the was boys, going out of her way. Yeah, so the boys took off straight down to Wellington and she came, picked you up and took you to Tongariro? Uh, no, so what happened, we, we did the river. Josh yeah. and I, could, that, was, that was booked. And, and we still didn't know if we were going to be able to do Tongariro. We didn't know what the weather was going to do to us, whether it was actually going to be clear. But we knew we had a second shot. So game face is on. Josh and I paddled the John Call Hut as planned. Um, we got up the next day. It turns out I'd kind of miscalculated the second day. I thought it was about 45 kilometers of paddling, not 55. Uh, and I'd started to develop a bit of tendonitis in my wrist. So waking up the next morning was, um, or getting on the river the next morning was was pretty tough. Luckily, we'd, ha we'd had a lot of rain that night. So the river had, had risen quite a bit. And we averaged... We averaged about 9.8 kilometers per hour versus the first day's 9.1. Mm -hmm. So we're moving moving a bit quicker, which was awesome. Uh, got to Pipariki at about 12.30. Yep. Ran the boats up the up the boat ramp, jumped out. Um, the guys from Tomatanui Kanuhai, they were awesome. They just pulled the boats out. They knew what we were doing. So they just told us to bugger off and you know we'll figure out the rest later on. All the wet weather gear off, uh, you know, no decency, just butt naked in the car park, just get it off, put some clothes on, get in the van and head the fuck up up a village for Tongariro shot too. Yep. So on top of 10 and 10 days, you've got, you've got 10 days inside for a decent exposure. <laughs> yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's coming later on down the track. I don't think anybody got that on uh, on camera, so I might be okay. And I haven't heard any calls from from the authorities yet, but they, actually, I'm sure. They're actually, going. there's a catch with GoPros I've noticed. Um, yeah, if you've got them in the head, you know, in, in certain times in, in the backwards, you want to make sure you don't bend over when you're doing certain activities. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, fair yeah. enough. Yeah. I, I didn't I didn't have a head mount at all, but um, yeah. So we yeah got out. Got to Whakapapa, jumped out. Gene was already there. I, I got all my running gear ready. The boys got my night bag ready because I was staying at Jean's place. Or she had offered for us to for me to stay at her place. And then they headed to Wellington to catch the ferry. Um, they had a shower with, with mum's cousin who booked the flight. And Jean and I started running. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. You got past. We got past. Bluebird Day. It was fantastic. There was a bit of cloud up the top just to, you know, add a bit of mood to it, which was awesome. Um, so we, yeah, got the GoPro out, took a couple of Instagram photos. You can't, you know, you can't cross Tongariro Northern Circuit without showing off a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So we, we did that and, you know, did, did the deed. Yeah. Carried on around and came, got out about 9.30. It was super cloudy, like super thick, dense cloud to the point where it felt like light rain. Yeah. So that made it pretty moody. And the last kilometer of Tongariro is, is kind of in bush. Yeah. And I, I remember having my head torch on and I was in front and you've got a kilometer left. It's 9.30, it's dark, you're in the forest, it's cloudy. You're just thinking about kind of finishing. And this rabbit comes around the corner and straight towards us. And it was a big rabbit. And I screamed like a girl, like I, I freaked out. <laughs> and I'm not sure if Gene got a bigger fright from the rabbit running towards us or me screaming, but um that was that was a bit of a laugh and so yeah anyway finished off that heart rate was through the roof and <laughs> got back to the car once again kind of stripped everything off changed clothes jumped in the car and headed towards wellington 
So she had a big day. She drove all the way up there, ran how many hours? Seven hours? Eight hours? Yeah, seven hours. Yeah, seven yeah. hours. And then drove yeah. all the way back again. Yeah. That's pretty good. Well done, Jean. I think yeah. I would have fallen asleep in the car even if I was driving. She did offer for me to drive a little bit. Um, she rather nice sports car, which I was pretty tempted to, uh, to take her up on. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was, I was pretty exhausted and she managed to, uh, to get through. We stopped off at Taihapi and uh, I, we went into the BP. She was grabbing a coffee and a bite to eat and I was looking for some pies. And unfortunately they'd recently turned off the pie warmer, but the lady looked at my face, the lady behind the counter looked at my face and obviously so I was pretty distraught. <laughs> the fact that there was no pies left. So she said, oh, we got, we got three pies left. And I said, what are they? And vegetarian or vegan pies. So I was like, I'll take all three of them. And I proceeded to pretty much eat them in front of her. And Jean, obviously, having seen some pretty strange things, she was completely normal by it. You know, she was, wasn't yeah. phased at all. Yeah. But this lady behind the counter seeing these two people who were not drunk, but were definitely out of their minds a little bit. And this bloke just eating three pies at midnight on a Friday night. She's probably still telling that story herself. So... <laughs> Yeah, you probably thought yeah. you were on something other than alcohol, I think. I think so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay, so, uh, Abel Tasman, Hefe, highlights of those? Oh, so, so uh, yeah, got to, got to Jean's, 2 a.m., went to sleep, four hours sleep, got up, got to the airport, flew to Nelson. Eddie had gone climbing for the day with his girlfriend, which was awesome. You know, they needed a break each. That was good. Uh, Josh picked me up, drove me to the other end of Abel Tasman, and I ran in towards Awaroa, which is the, the water crossing in Abel Tasman. Okay. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So if you don't get it at low tide, um, you can't cross yes. effectively. Yep. And low tide was midday, and I started the track at 11, and I had 20Ks to run. So um, <laughs> yep. you can do it about one and a half hours either side of low tide. So I ran in... Um, managed to get there about two so it's, oh no, it was about 2 30 so it's about two and a half hours after the low tide yeah um i was nervous and then i came around the corner and luckily i'd had a friend who had actually said he was staying at um is it togaroa uh what's the campsite there i always forget the name of it anyway he was staying at that campsite so, and he had a couple of kayaks so he he said he'd meet me at Awaroa which was perfect we got there and there's no water <laughs> I, was, I was a bit confused really um so yeah just kind of took the shoes off walked across I mean no water to the point where I didn't even get my you know my, my shorts wet so it was um oh really so the, is the is the is the title kind of instructions to keep your feet dry or something no, the tidal instructions is to not cross if you're two hours either side of low tide on the basis you get swept away. Really? Yeah. Huh. There was nothing. So we just kind of walked across and I met a good friend of mine. Uh, she's a physiotherapist. She's based in uh, Anakiwa and does a bit of work in Nelson, I think. Anyway, she met me at Aoroa uh, campsite and we ran, ran to the end and finished like we hadn't done any exercise that day. Whoa. Josh and Eddie were a little bit confused because we had grins from ear to ear and it was pretty awesome. And it was the first day that we could actually relax after finishing an event. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, the, the, the first day, Waikata Moana, we had to go straight to Tongariro, Tongariro straight to Tomatanui, Tomatanui straight to back to Tongariro, Tongariro straight to Wellington. So it was only after Abel Tasman that I was able to finish, take my bag off, chill out, have a burrito, have a drink. 
um, non-alcoholic. That was I was saving that for the last day. Yeah, yeah. And so, uh, what time did you finish Abel Tasman? Was it still light? Oh yeah, it was probably five o'clock. Oh really? And you weren't starting Heafy till the next day, so yeah. Oh nice. Yeah, so we chilled out. We had a yeah had a couple of burritos, had a big pizza. Um, Natalie, the lass that I ran with, she's a physiotherapist, so she put some needles in my lats, and my lats had a little dance party, and they released quite nicely. My shoulder was getting quite tight, I think, both from the paddle and from the pack. Yeah, yeah. So that was pretty helpful, and yeah. then uh, headed towards the hefe. Yeah, yeah. So day five, hefe. Yeah, the longest day. Yeah, how long's the hefe? Uh, Seventy-five k's with about. 1300 meters of climbing so pretty pretty flat in regards in comparison to the rest but it is the longest isn't it yeah longest walking one it is yeah yeah <laughs> right so um yeah, yeah. yeah. I, did you do your ankle or something on hefe yes yeah, so I, was, I was feeling i was feeling really good on the hefe i was a bit sleep deprived as the sun came up so i was kind of talking to myself in an elvis presley kind of voice for about half an hour and um, right. i i hope nobody heard that <laughs> uh, I have got proof for some reason I pulled the video out and decided to have a, the GoPro out and decided to have a conversation with myself in an Elvis Presley voice uh, <laughs> as you do it'd be worse if and, you thought you were Elvis Presley or you yeah. were talking to Elvis Presley yeah no luckily I, I didn't I didn't think that far but yeah four hours sleep before the able to he, he could be there you, you, yeah he's not you there. never know yeah, yeah. <laughs> um he's hiding in New Zealand and yeah so yeah, got on the Heathy, did that and about 20 Ks to go. I think I just probably a bit of tendonitis in the ankle and just kind of tweaked it a little bit. And I was making really good time, too good a time. In fact, the boys, I didn't, they were concerned they weren't actually going to make it to the other end. Cause it's about an, it's about an eight hour drive from start to finish. Yeah. Cause you have to go right around the Lewis Pass, mm. don't you? So I would actually, I'd actually enjoy racing on fresh legs, racing my driver. I think that would be quite a good. I've raced my driver on the route burn, yeah, and beaten by five minutes. Well, that shouldn't um, be too hard. I think the driver will be going a bit fast if you, yeah, yeah. Oh, he was a, <laughs> he was a, he was an experienced driver, put it that way. But uh, yeah, the Heathy would be a good one. Eight hour drive. I reckon you could do it in eight or nine hours. Yep, because yep. it's pretty flat. Yeah. Um, so yeah, did that. Twenty k's to go. Tweaked the ankle a little bit. Hiked out. Got back. Um, the boys had had enough time to make a smoothie. They didn't have enough time to make any any dinner, so um, carried on down to Pipariki. Had some food down there and uh, Pipariki. No, sorry, Punakaiki. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Started the yeah northern end of the Paparoa track yeah. and uh, yeah set up to to do the Paparoa the next morning. Yeah. Were you ever tempted to start something like then? No. No, I, I we were enjoying the adventure. If I was going for a fastest time, yeah, I think it'd be possible. But yeah. um, no, I was, I, I was always looking forward to doing the next walk the next day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And good. I knew that I knew that as long as long as I was on one of the trails and I was putting one foot in front of the other, I could do any of the walks in a day. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I expected the hefe to take me worst case scenario about sixteen hours as long as I was just walking. Yeah. So to do it in 12 was uh, was pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Paparoa, that's the brand new one. How's that? It's fantastic. It's it's the Heathy and the Paparoa are probably the most diverse um, in regards to their ability to go from 
rolling hills, dense native forest to kind of open alpine terrain to, you know, almost oceanic. Um, the, the palm trees on the Hefe are pretty amazing. Yeah. And the Paparo is quite similar on the fact that you start near the beach. It's quite ocean-like. It reminds me a lot of the Bay of Islands. And then when you get further in, you get into the Goblin Forest, which is practically, I, I've mentioned it a few times, but it reminds me of kind of over oversized, overgrown bonsai trees. Yep. It's just, yeah, they're, they're, they're something from out of this world. They're pretty crazy. And so you've got five kilometers of rainforest up the top and then you break out the rainforest. And once again, you kind of in alpine terrain and then you carry on down and you're back into some pretty dense forest. So it's, it's just very, very diverse. Every five kilometers is quite different from the five kilometers before. Yeah, yeah. So the Goblin Forest, what sort of trees is it? I don't know, actually. You've yeah. thrown me under the bus on that one. I'll have to uh, search out. You can search it up and you can put it in the show notes. But they're, um, they're, they're odd looking. They're just very kind of something you'd imagine from Harry Potter from outside Hagrid's, Hagrid's yeah. hut or something. Yeah, right. They're all gnarly and bent and twisted and covered in... In mud. all different directions. And they're just... And they're, they're, you can't see any bark. They're all completely overgrown with moss. Yeah, and it's um yeah they're they're just something pretty special. Yeah, cool. I'll have to get there someday. I think we'll arrange a mission for that next year. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, Paparoa to um the start of Rootburn. Um, where's Paparoa in? It's uh, Blackpool, isn't it? Yeah, Blackpool on the yep. west coast. Yeah. And the Rootburn start is at the northern end of Lake Wakatipu. Yeah. How did your drivers, or how did you get from Blackpool to Glenorchy? Driving. So the, the boys had put their hand up. We knew that was going to be the big that was going to be the big one. Yep. Um, so we were we were kind of, and I, the initial plan was to come down the west coast just because it was shorter. Mm -hmm. uh, but we ended up kind of going inland. So um, Ruth Croft had actually offered us to have a shower at her place in Greymouth, but unfortunately we weren't going that way. So I ended up giving her a call and thanking her for the offer, but explaining we were going to go inland. We were going to go Canterbury ways. And the reason being is the roads were a lot straighter and a lot longer. Yep. So it just meant for a better sleep for me in the back of the van whilst the boys alternated driving. Um, and she ended up offering... Uh, her mum was with her at the time, so her mum ended up offering uh, us to have a shower in uh, Stillwater. I think it's Stillwater, just outside Blackball. So had a shower, had a whole lot of food after finishing the papara, jumped in the van and headed south and woke up, uh, woke up Cromwell starving. So I ended up eating a whole lot of food between Cromwell and Queenstown. Uh, snuck into my partner's house because I'd forgot to take my own pillow. So I, was ended up, I ended up using just an old kind of, you know, beat up pillow. So I grabbed my pillow and that was the best sleep that I had was between Queenstown and the Glenorchy car park. And I woke up at 7am in the Glenorchy car park, uh, sorry, in the, in the Rootburn car park. So how long was that drive how, in distance? <sighs> I haven't actually looked. It, was, it, took the, it took the boys about eight hours. Yeah. And that yeah, was so all overnight. Wow. Yeah, it'd be about 700 k's. So we got there at about 4 a.m. Yeah. Must have been about 4 because we we're in Queenstown at 3. So yeah, about 4 a.m. we got to the Rootburn Car Park, 4.30. Oh, that's a bit of a marathon in itself, isn't it? Yeah. The boy's on a road trip. Yeah. 
yeah no it was they they went above and beyond and you know as i as i said at the start i, I was genuinely concerned about how i was ever going to have to repay them but as josh said just finish it yeah that was that was the best way that i could that i could repay them is is making the adventure worthwhile which which we did yeah cool so um trotted over rootburn and we all know about rootburn we don't need to talk about that (laughs) well i mean i I should i should mention it was the rest day and i i do sometimes i feel bad saying that because you know (laughs) it was a it was a pretty leisurely seven hours but i remember having a conversation with some people at the divide car park and they were going did you do it in a day and i was like yeah it was a pretty comfortable seven hours and i'm like what i explained what i was doing and they just they were mind-blowing because he'd just done it in three and it was a bit of a mission so yeah to wrap his you know to try and for people to try and grasp the idea of doing one great walk in one day is sometimes a little bit much yeah to to do all 10 of them in one day at a time is is kind of unfathomable but then to do all 10 of them in one day at a time consecutively is absolute batch of crazy so uh, <laughs> yeah yeah no it's interesting that i i um when i've run great walks i've often had um responses saying oh you you don't get to enjoy it so much and um yeah yeah things like that did you get much of that yeah so depending depending on the person the the common saying was slow down and smell the roses yeah yeah and yeah. i i had two responses one was i hope there's no roses on the great on the great walk they're an invasive species yeah uh, and two was if the person I could tell was kind of being m- malicious in their comment for better choice of words, then I would just get a little bit kind of uh, sarcastic back. And you, you know, when Flash Gordon runs really fast, everything slows down around him. Yeah, yeah. That was that was how it was on the Great Walk. So, <laughs> <laughs> and I and like I say, I, I I would only say that to somebody who was malicious in their way of saying slow down and slow down and smell the roses, you know. Otherwise, it was it was genuinely actually completing it, and and the adventure in its own was was the roses for me. So, yeah. uh, and it's it's all relative, isn't it? You know, I mean, I I encourage everybody to get out and and do a great walk, whether it's over a day or over three days or whatever it is. And and the route burn, I think, just you know, while we're on it is my my number one recommendation for anybody wanting to get into doing a, a great walk or a through hike or a multi-day yep. hike and yep. i think the reason being is it's 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 arguably the most accessible yep um it's it's definitely one of the most beautiful and it's it's one of the shorter ones so it's something that somebody could do with with a few months training they don't need to train for yep. 12 months to do something like the kepler or the Heathy. It's also possible to do, you know, an out and back um, some of the way and, and yeah. get quite a bit of pleasure out of it. Yeah. I, th- I mean, I think the most beautiful part is from Falls Hut through to kind of Howden Hut. Yeah, I agree. Um, which, which, you know, so to do an out and back, absolutely, it's stunning. But if you really want to experience the true beauty of the route, then I think doing the whole thing is, is what you should do. Going back to the roses, though, there may not be roses, but there are these cute little um, native orchids that you don't see unless you really take your time. But I, I reckon I see those even when I am running. Yeah, I, I don't remember seeing them. No, well, this is a thing a lot of trampers wouldn't either. But yeah. yeah, I was the lady that I was running with on the root burn. She loves her native plants. So she was picking off leaves going, here, try this one and here, try this one. And 
there was one which apparently the Māori used to use as a bit of a, a numbing agent, which she told me about. I didn't realize it was as potent as it was going to be, and I bit oh. off way too much of it. Was it peppery? Was it a peppery? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, yeah. horopito. Yes, horopito. So I, I bit off way too much of that, and yeah. um, yeah, I regret that. So I, after that one, I said, look, I'm not trying any more of your plants. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> No, you only, want, you only want to sink your teeth into a little bit of that without biting yeah. anything, really. I, I bet off half a leaf and chewed. So. Oh, well, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I did that once after someone told me it tasted like chocolate. Um, oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. That's why yeah. So well. yeah. <laughs> and in fact, um, I remember, you know, how you have backpacks for your babies. Um, yeah. Walking through the bush with my son when he was about, um, I don't know, eight, um, a year old or probably less, walking through the bush. Um, within a, him in a backpack yeah he must have been old enough to grab things because all of a sudden he was howling his mouth off and um, he'd grab a hold of hold some of those leaves and stuck them in his mouth yeah so he knows them now too he remembers that they're an interesting flavor traumatized for life yeah 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 one of the many ways yeah so um <laughs> root burn you got to the divide you drove up to milford sound um did you just use the um, public boat transport for the? No, so we we got uh, Fiordland Outdoor Company. They dropped us off. We left left oh, at six a.m. So we oh, stayed yeah. at uh, we stayed at the Paddle On Inn. Yep. Um, courtesy of courtesy of the boys at Roscoe's, which was awesome. Nice. And yep. um, yeah, got up first thing in the morning. I was running with, or I was, I was doing the, the Milford with Eddie and Eddie Vetter and uh, Eva, friend of mine from Wellington. Oh, yeah. uh, sorry, from, uh, what's the place across the other side of the river? Did Wanaka, they... that's the one. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Friend of mine from Wanaka. So we, we did the Milford, got up 5 a.m. on the boat at 6 a.m., start about 6.30, uh, got to McKinnon Pass about midday. Uh, and nice. Stunning day, windy, weathery, uh, yeah so there was, there was clear spots there was some rain was what you got everything there wasn't any rain at the time yep but there was a lot of rain due to come so i'd actually arranged for a guy to drive up from invercargill and take a small boat out to glade wharf to pick us up mm -hmm. and the expected time was about 7 p.m but the weather started to uh, pack in quite a bit Yep. So um, it was probably about, it was about quarter to four and we had about three kilometers left to go and Michelle had figured out how to send a message on the PLB mm -hmm. or a message to the PLB. So I, it pinged, I picked it up and we had about three Ks to go. It was quarter to four and I read the message and it said, um, Hamish is probably not going to be able to make it to Glade Wharf real journeys boat leaves at four can you make it and i don't know if you've heard of maslow's hierarchy of needs but at the very bottom of maslow's hierarchy of needs is food shelter and warmth those yep. are the three yep. things that you you need to live yeah um i was hungry i was freezing cold and i was wet yeah and the rain had packed in so that that was the fastest three kilometers i did on the entire course on the entire 10 days so self-actualization wasn't top of your list at the time not at all no nah, nah, that was that was nowhere near in sight it was yeah, it was food shelter and warmth so um yeah just uh forgot about the ankle forgot about the wrist forgot about the cold forgot about the wet and we just started running 
and uh yeah we did we got there at about two or three minutes past four and the boat was still there and jumped on the boat and headed back to Tiano Downs. Nice, nice. Yeah. And then Kepler, nice round trip. Now from the Kepler, you had to get to Stuart Island. How'd you do that? So um, Kepler, was, sorry, just, just to go back onto the Kepler. Kepler was amazing, most runnable track that I've done. I'd never done the Kepler before. Really? No. Oh. Ruben was the only one I'd ever done. So, and funnily enough, the Kepler was actually the one that I was least excited about. So I've got some wonderful ridges. I love those ridges. I don't know why I wasn't excited about it. I just, the, I, my logic was if there's a race on it, it can't be that exciting. Don't ask. So <laughs> got, to, <laughs> got to Luxmore Hart and I was already in awe. Just looking back on Tiana, it was absolutely stunning. And then um, getting up onto, and I was running with Tsukasa from Outside Sports and um, we got up onto the ridge line and ran the, uh, ran the ridge lines. I felt like Killian Jornet and I was only doing about seven minutes per K. So <laughs> oh, he probably is in all those videos. They're sped up. I reckon. They're yeah. Right. That's that. I, actually, that's completely logical. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I felt like him ran along the ridge lines, dropped down into Iris Burn Hut, did some, did some recording doing about six and a half minute Ks. And I felt like I was flying. So I was recording on Instagram going, we're, we're flying. Like, this is awesome. Yeah. And then about 45 minutes later, I did another update and I said, I think we might have gone a little bit hot, a little bit too early. Uh, and now I'm dying. So we're doing eight minute Ks. And then in the last five, we were, I was just walking. I was just had to get out. So yeah. got out from Kepler, enjoyed some mashed potato and some, uh, some pasta, which the boys had cooked up. Drove to, uh, drove to Invercargill. Michelle had booked a hotel for the night in Invercargill and the boys were going to stay with Hamish, who'd, who'd um, offered to pick us up from Glade Wharf. Stayed the night in Invercargill, got up the next morning and flew with Stuart Island flights to, uh, to Stuart Island. Yeah, they did us a bit of a deal. So they uh, hooked us up with flights for the same cost as the ferry, effectively. Oh, really? Oh, that's and, pretty cool. Uh, yeah, jigged some, jigged some flights to make it work for us. So they were absolute legends. And yep. we landed uh, about 8.30, started the Rakiura, I started the rack here about 8.30. It estimated finish time was, was about 3 p.m. Yep. So AJ and I, a mate from Queenstown and I, we started rack and did the first 10 Ks in about an hour and a half. So realized we were well ahead of time. Somehow we had a bit of reception. So I messaged uh, Michelle and Josh and said, we're, not, we're gonna be out before one. And they'd booked a ferry to Oliver Island, which they were currently on. And the next ferry comes back from Oliver Island at 2.15. Oh. <laughs> so after all of the logistical nightmares that we'd managed to solve, uh, we weren't going to be together at the finish line. <laughs> yeah. So we, we finished uh, Rakiura. And well, but after about 10 Ks, I was trying to avoid the mud and realized that it just was not going to happen. So I ended up giving up and... On the previous great walks, obviously the goal was to keep the feet dry because I knew that I had to run the next day and the next day and the next. But on Stewart Island, I realized I was, you know, I had 15 Ks, I had 20 Ks left to go. Let's get dirty. So we yeah. we jumped in and and moved through and I was, you know, mud up to my knees and it was fantastic. And yeah, it's everything you'd ever want in in, in mud running at least. Yeah. Um, so yeah, carried on through, finished at about quarter to two. I think it was yeah um 
AJ and I gave us gave each other a high five. We put a taxi back into town and we met the guys when they got back at about half past two and uh, had a good beer. How was that? It was it was really good. It was quite funny actually going back to, you know, the smelling the roses. I'd explained to a guy what we were doing and doing each great walk in a day. And he was like, oh, you, you know, his mindset was definitely you got to smell down and uh, sorry, slow down and smell the roses. Yep. We got our jug of beer, Josh, I can't remember who poured it, Josh already, and Josh said, this one, we have to, we have to bottom up. And I was like, no, this is, this is the first beer post, post event. We have to enjoy this one. And the guy piped, piped up from across the room and he said, you meant to enjoy the walks as well. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> we cheersed to him and we enjoyed the first beer. And <laughs> It was a good little, yeah, it was the sharpest comment of the 10 days. We, we quite enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. That's pretty good. I uh, love Stuart Island. There's a bit of that in the pub. There's a bit of banter. Yeah, there is. Yeah. 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 Um, but it's a special place, isn't it? It is, yeah. I mean, to, to do the other nine or eight great walks and one great river journey and then to do Rakiura. Rakiura was was reasonably anticlimactic and I mean that in the the nicest way possible it's just kind of you know in comparison to I think if I was to recommend anybody to do Rakiura and I absolutely would recommend it I would just recommend not doing it over over three days you know it's otherwise you've just got three days of, of 10 kilometers of mud each day mm -hmm. I think it'd be it'd be possible with the right level of fitness to do it to do it in a day as a hike um, or at least two days, you know, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't stretch it out to three and yeah. um, you can still really enjoy it. And it's, I think the main thing is just be willing to go in there and get your feet wet and muddy right from the start. Don't try and avoid, don't try and uh, avoid it. Just jump in and enjoy it. Yeah. 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 No, I, I agree. Um, I did it with my son uh, a couple of years ago and uh, yeah, we did it probably six or seven hours and he wasn't particularly fit at the time, but yeah. We still enjoyed it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, had a great time. Yeah. A couple of swims on the way. And yeah. In the in the ocean? Yeah. Yeah. Māori Beach is stunning. Absolutely yeah. love it. Yeah. 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 There's a hut near there. That'll be a nice place to stay if you're doing an overnight. Yeah. Yeah. You could even probably start at, um, you know, do the first kind of muddy part, wash yeah. off in the ocean, stay at the house, and then just kind of walk out the next day. That would be my, my recommendation. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, what was it? What... Yeah, you said you did this to inspire people. Is that right? Is that part of your, your mission, I guess? Well, I mean, the goal was to do it and it was to, to have an adventure. You know, it's, I'm, yeah. I'm, I, I thought about doing it for charity and so on and so forth. But I mean, the goal was to do it for me yeah. um, initially. But at the same time, a lot of it, and it's kind of come to light more recently and going back to that can't cancel running, there's still a lot of nerves around races being cancelled and with a few recent kind of outbreaks up in Northland and Auckland and people, you know, tidal weather happening this weekend and those sorts of things. A lot of people are nervous about what happens if I've sunk six months into training and my race gets cancelled. Yeah. If, if COVID hadn't happened, I would have been eyeing up a 24 hour obstacle race in March in Sydney. Yeah. But we are where we are, you know, what's done is done and, and we can't go anywhere. So let's make the most of it. So this opportunity arose because of that. Hmm. And I think if people are able to see that they don't need a hundred mile race to do something epic or a hundred K race or whatever it is, they don't need the structured format to do something epic. Yep. 
Um, and not to take away from the races, absolutely. I mean, you know, the races like Tarawera and Northburn are, are absolutely and, fantastic. And, and, and Three Peaks and Crush Chicago. Oh, yeah, and Three Peaks and Crush Chicago. Yeah, sorry, I, I haven't spent enough time in Dunedin to, uh, to be used to those. Um, just, just the races across the country are, are absolutely fantastic and the organisation is amazing and that support and having people around you is, is awesome. But touching wood and worst case scenario, if, if anything was to happen, there's still these adventures out there. I mean, you get Sean Collins circumnavigating Auckland and you've got yeah. Gene Beaumont just touching the 1500 peaks in the, in the Tarado ranges. And, yep. you know, it's just, there's these things out there that people can do and they don't need to have a race to be able to do that. Yeah. But do the race if they're there, absolutely love every moment of them. But if they're not, you know, there's other opportunities. Yeah, no. No, well said, well said. So, um, you know, I'm sure um, people would be wondering what was the big personal development goal, um, growth moments of this um, adventure? Yeah, so I think there's, there's three of them. One's um, kind of what's what's done is done and, and what will be will be. You know, you, there's, there's things that you can kind of control the controllables and you can manage the uncontrollables, but if something is out of your control, um manage it do what you can with it but just focus on the things that you can control so that that was definitely one of them um and the second one which i learned i learned from the from the paddle more than anything and i'd heard it multiple times before and it was it was i have no doubt that it was a kayaker who came up with it but slow is smooth and smooth is fast and i think that applies to to life walt disney once said there's so much to do in so little time, scratch that, reverse it. I, I really enjoy that. And it's kind of really come to fruition and it kind of going back to what you were saying, you know, if you could get back out on the track that night and, and, and carry on doing the next great walk, would you? And I think just, you know, slowing down and relative to what I, I possibly could do was enjoyable. And I think it made it um, possibly just as fast as it could have otherwise have been. So relatively, it was kind of smelling the roses. Yeah. Yeah. And so like I said, I mean, in, in my way, doing the 10 and 10 was the roses for me. That was the adventure. Yeah. No, awesome. awesome. Yeah. So um, if people want to follow your exploits and read more about this, are you going to write a book? Because apparently Mel Law wrote a book about doing seven and seven days. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm in the process of, of kind of following up what I did do and writing it out onward. Um, at the moment, I'm doing a, a, a long extended period of posts on Instagram. So you can find me at Hardy underscore Kiwi, H-A-R-D-Y underscore Kiwi. Yep. And if I do end up releasing anything a little bit more long-winded, then uh, I'll let you know. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks, mate. Well, I better let you go because, um, well, to be honest, I've got to go to work because I have a job. Fair enough. Um, yeah, I got a work meeting in fifteen as well, so I got to prepare for that. I don't know if I'm gonna. Oh, you might have to. Yeah, might have to do my hair. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, what's the weather like in Queenstown today? It's a bit overcast, but luckily it's not stormy. Uh, Michelle and I are flying up to Kerry Kerry to see Mum off. She's flying. She's moving to the Twelve Apostles outside Adelaide on Friday. So, oh wow, go and see her for the last time for uh, who knows when. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that's that'll be good to you know see her before she leaves well enjoy your slightly overcast day because it's bloody pissing down in dunedin is it 
Yeah, no, it, no, I got some. That, it's, it's really unusual. Every other day of the year, it's brilliant sunshine with blue yeah. sky days and, and that. But yeah, <laughs> today, no, nah, never mind. Anyway, thanks heaps, Andrew. And um, yeah, we'll be in touch. I'll see you at Northburn. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm in Dunedin uh, next couple of weeks. So I'll, I'll let you know we go for a, a jaunt up uh, Cargill again. I always pay my dues whenever, whenever I'm over there.